It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. Does focusing on bringing value to others, actually placing their interests first, mean you're more likely to lose out or be taken advantage of, or more likely to win big? We'll discuss that in our thought of the day. And later in today's interview, Lisa Earl McLeod has created a movement of what she calls noble purpose, first in selling and now in leadership. And the results? I'll bet you can guess. That and more on today's show. I thank you for joining us. My co-author of The Go-Giver, John David Mann, and I often say that money is an echo of value. In other words, when in the sales process, rather than focusing on the money you might earn, focus instead on providing exceptional value to your customer. There's nothing naive or goody-two-shoes about that. When your focus is on bringing exceptional value to them rather than to yourself, they'll be much more likely to trust you and your advice, and they'll be much more likely to buy from you. The money you receive will be the result, the echo, of the value you provided. I remember an old mentor long ago advising a much younger Bob Berg. Berg, he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving the customer. When you hit the target, he continued, you'll get a reward. That reward will come in the form of money, and you can do with that money whatever you want. But never forget that the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. Your target is serving your customer. That shift in focus changed everything for me. In law number three of The Go-Giver, the law of influence says, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, this doesn't mean you should be anyone's doormat, a martyr, or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It simply means that to the degree you can step outside of yourself, move from an I focus or me focus to an other focus. That's the degree you'll build relationships where people know you, like you, and trust you. Relationships where they want to be a part of your life, your business, your team, what have you. Leaders who focus not on themselves, but on building those on their team. Leaders who discover the wants, needs, and desires of their team members are the ones who earn the most commitment from those team members. And when it comes to sales, when you focus on your prospective customer and learning about their needs, their wants, their desires, the outcomes that are best for them, your sales success will grow immeasurably. Yes, it sounds paradoxical, but it really isn't. Focus on the money rather than on providing value, and you'll provide less value and earn a lot less money. But put your focus, your focus not on the money, but on providing value to the other person, and you'll provide a lot more value, and the echo? You'll make a lot more money. Are you a successful entrepreneur or sales professional, but you know you have the potential for even greater sales success? 
Reality is, most entrepreneurs, small business owners, and corporate salespeople aren't nearly as successful at selling as they could be. Fortunately, it need not be that way for you. Join me, along with my brilliant business partner and strategist, Kathy Tejanel, for two days in Orlando, Florida, and attend our Go-Giver Sales Academy. Go-Giver Sales Academy will help you communicate more value to your customers, reach more people with your exceptional value, sell at full price, become objection-proof, and embrace the abundance that's your birthright. You'll work personally with Kathy and me in a small, mastermind-like environment. These workshops are limited to only 12 people, so it'll be impactful and transformational. Learn more at GoGiverSalesAcademy.com and see what others are saying. Click the link in the show notes. Remember, money is an echo of value. Lisa Earl McLeod is a globally recognized strategy consultant, executive advisor, and keynote speaker whose clients include Google, Hootsuite, Novartis, and Roach. When it comes to the workplace, she is passionate about two things, competitive differentiation and emotional engagement. Lisa is a prolific writer, having written thousands of articles. She's the sales leadership expert for Forbes.com and a popular media guest, having appeared on both the Today Show and the NBC Nightly News. Lisa is the author of five books. They are all absolutely brilliant. I'm a huge fan, as you can tell, and I read everything she writes. Her previous book is Selling with Noble Purpose. Building on what's become a very well-known brand in the corporate marketplace, she recently authored a new book entitled Leading with Noble Purpose, How to Create a Tribe of True Believers. And I loved it. You'll know why momentarily. To check out all her books, her weekly not-to-be-missed blog, and her other resources, visit noblesalespurpose.com. That link, along with the other specific links to her books and such, will all be in the show notes. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Bob. It's always so great to be with you. I hope I can live up to that intro. You absolutely will. You do every single time, my friend. Hey, let's begin with a biggie, since you've basically brought this term now into corporate consciousness, if you will. What do you mean by noble purpose? In most businesses, we create a false dichotomy between making money and what I call making a difference. Mm. And what noble purpose does is it brings them together. Because my research revealed that companies whose purpose was to improve the lives of their customers actually outperformed the market by over 350%. And I want to be really clear, there's a couple of elements of this that are really important. One is they served their customers. So they weren't just uh, doing good in the world in some generic way. They were Mm -hmm, making mm -hmm. products that people paid money for that improved their lives. Everything from a technology product to a pharmaceutical product to, you know, nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm, Making products mm -hmm. improves people's lives. So that's the first thing is this is a commercial model, getting yourself focused on the value you add to customers. And the second point is it makes you more profitable, Mm -hmm. not less profitable. Exactly. Exactly. Now, we often hear, in fact, this is such a well-known phrase, Lisa, it's almost proverbial, that no one on their deathbed says, hey, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. But you challenge that, and you do so with a very personal story. Would you share that? Yeah, I'll tell you. um, My father, who was my business mentor, um, was very sick with cancer last year, and he ended up passing away. But in the time that he was sick at the hospital, I got to spend a good bit of time with him. And 
There was one period of time where he was sick, but he was not so sick that he was incapacitated. And so he's spending time on his tablet looking at Facebook. And so I put a Facebook message out to a lot of the people he was friends with, many of whom were closer to my age, young people he'd worked with and mentored in banking. And I put a message out to them and I said, hey, Jay's in the hospital. He's not doing well. He'd love to hear from you. He's probably not going to write you back, but he'd love to hear a story from you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there in the hospital with my father sick, knowing that he's probably not going to make it. And he knows he's probably not going to make it. And I'm watching him read his tablet and see all these stories. Hey, Jay, remember the time we did that mm. bank merger? Hey, Jay, remember the time when, you know, we just started and we had to go repossess that car? You know, all the stories were not joyous stories, but they were stories of camaraderie and doing work in banking that they felt mattered. And so I looked at him and I said, Dad, you do realize that you are on your deathbed wishing you had another day at the mm. office. And he started mm. laughing and we both just laughed and laughed. And it really got me thinking about that phrase, you know, no one ever lay on their deathbed wishing they spent more time at the office. And I did some research on it and I actually found out that it's not true. It's not just my dad. Right. In studies of people that were facing the end of their days, once you got past family, mm -hmm. doing meaningful work with people they cared about was one of the most important things in their life. See, that is so, and first of all, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. And he sounds like just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful man. He was. And, you know, I think that story just makes such a, a great point. Uh, you mentioned in the book, it's not work itself that kills our spirit. It's meaningless work. And that employee engagement's not the root problem, it's a symptom. The real problem is, is workplace meaning. And one of the things I got from your book, both the selling uh, with noble purpose and leading with noble purpose, is that when you're driven by something bigger than yourself, I remember in your selling with noble purpose, it was the woman the, who sold a pharmaceutical, mm -hmm. uh, but she wasn't selling pharmaceutical. She was saving lives. And when you went out to uh, on the uh, call with her, because you were consulting for that company, you wanted to see if you could tell who were the biggest producers and why. Would you share that story with us, even though it's from the, the, the former book? I'm happy to share that. It's an interesting thing because this idea of purpose was always latent for me. I always kind of knew that some people were more driven than others, but I had the chance to actually study this without realizing I was going to about six years ago. A big biotech company asked my team and I to evaluate their salespeople, and what they wanted us to do was to determine what was the difference between the people who were good and the people who were exceptional. And so we did this blind study of their sales team. By blind, I mean we went out and worked in the field with them. And some of the people we worked with were good performers and some were exceptional, but we didn't know who was who. And so we wanted to find out what were the things that made the exceptional people perform so much better. Because in sales, performance is pretty easy to measure. It was numbers. And we were near the end of the study, and I was with this one representative in Phoenix, Arizona. And I asked her, what do you think about when you go on sales calls? And she said, well, I always think about this one patient. And she said when she was in a doctor's office one day, this little lady had come up to her and asked her if she was the representative for that, this particular drug. And she said, yes, ma'am, I am. And so the little old lady looked up at me and said, well, I just want to thank you. Because since I started taking this, I can now get on a plane. I can go visit my grandkids. I can get down the floor and play with them. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And as she's describing this to me, you know, they, like the hair on my arm stood up and she said, I think about her every single day. That's my purpose. That's why I do this job. And now you have to keep in mind, this was a while back when people weren't really talking about purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some, it was sort of on the fringes of business. And so I studied the rest of the salespeople and I found in these interviews that there were a small number of people that alluded to this sense of higher purpose, that it was bigger than just a job. They were making a difference in people's lives. And at the end of the study, the biotech company said, who do you think our top performers are? And I said, I think it's these five people who had alluded to that sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And I was 100% right. Uh. And that for me was the catalyst. And since then, I've done a lot more research on this. Others have done research on it. And what we now know is, as I said, companies with a purpose bigger than money who want to improve people's lives outperform the market. We also know that individual performers, and it's not just sales, across the board, individual performers who have a greater sense of purpose. And, and they don't have to be you know, in the pharmaceutical business. I mean, we've got companies in manufacturing and transportation, but they all know that what they do is in some way improving their industry or improving their customers' lives. And those people are actually consistently rated the top performers. Yeah, there's one you talk about, a company that fixes crumbling basements. Yeah, one of our clients, and you can see them on our website, Thrasher Basements. They make concrete that shores up people's basements, and they've got some patented products that, you know, if your foundation of your house is crumbling, they can fix it. And so they've got two companies, Thrasher and uh, Foundation Support Works, and their team has really rallied around reinventing the contracting industry. Because, you know, most time when you deal with a contractor, you don't know when they're going to show up. They're hard to deal with. You don't know what the price is going to be. And so their whole purpose is around redefining their industry to have people think of their industry in very high regard. And everybody in their company is on board with it. So Thrasher, the the woman who sold pharmaceuticals and many, and, I, and I'll ask you to share one or two in a moment, but I, I think this is what you mean, right, when you say moving from a money story to a meaning story, mm-hmm. and the meaning story is much more profitable. <laughs> it, it's ironic. And, and as a leader, and whether you're leading a team of 60,000 people, one of our biggest clients was a company called Flight Center out of Australia, and they've got 60,000 people around the world. Or whether you're a small entrepreneur, you, your business has a story, and it's the story, it starts with the story you tell yourself, and it leads to the story you tell your customers. And so if you tell yourself every day, I am here to make money, I am here to make money, that's going to become your reputation in the market. It's not necessarily bad, but it's going to lead you to being a me too commoditized Mm -hmm. company. It's not going to be bad. You're not going to be unsuccessful, but you're not going to be as successful as if your story is a meaning story, which in the case of our client that does uh, travel, Mm -hmm. their, what we call their noble sales purpose is we care about delivering amazing travel experiences. So they've got 60,000 people around the world whose job is to care and they've actually codified what care looks like and put it in their systems. It's to deliver, so they have a delivery model, and it's to have the make sure the customer has an amazing experience. And they don't just say it, they put systems in place to make it happen. And so that's the thing. I mean, you can tell yourself one story or the other. So for, for me, I know that helping our customers be profitable is important because if you're not profitable, you can't run your business. So our story is, 
we help leaders drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. So every Mm -hmm. time we go into a meeting with an executive or an entrepreneur, we think, how can we help them make more money and, not or, and do work that they're really proud of? And everything we do is lined up around that. Exactly. In that chapter, and that was G Adventures, I believe it was the uh, travel uh, company, and in learning what they did and how they how they began to really identify another almost subset of customers, which were the travel agents. Right. I, that was absolutely that was an amazing story. In fact, I read that story when I was doing one of our one of our programs. I read that story from stage. It it was such an amazing, wonderful story. And there's so many in this book. And for anyone in sales, selling with noble purpose is absolutely a must. I I did a blog post on that uh, when it first came out a couple of years ago. This one, though, just absolutely anyone in leadership, anyone in sales, really, uh, these, these books are exquisite. You talk about, and this was very important, airtime. And this has a lot to do with communicating the message you want to be communicating, correct? It is. And, and one of the things that leaders are often unaware of is how they're spending their airtime. So for example, if you get up at your town hall, and we had a leader that we described in the book, a company called Blackbaud, and they're a publicly held company. And they're, in the time that they've embraced purpose, their stock has gone up by over 50%. So that's the end of the story. But let me tell you how what happened. Previously in their town halls, they would sit up there and they would spend 90% of the time going over the financials, going over the numbers, and here's how this department did and how this department did. So any person sitting in that meeting watching the senior leadership spend 90% of their time talking about money assumes, well, that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. So we had a new CEO come in. I worked with him, worked with a number of other people on the team. And what he started doing, a guy named Mike Giannone, I just wrote a Forbes piece about him, he's great. What he started doing was devoting 90% of the time to customers. And he and they would bring in customers. And customers would describe how the Blackboard software had helped them. Customers would describe the impact. So the engineer who's sitting there is going, wow, I built that. I built that thing. And so they chose to tell a meaning story. And what happens is they use their airtime to show people, here's the impact we have on customers. Here's who our customers are. Here's what they're about. And so they create a different ethos. Now, at the end of the meeting, they say, and oh, by the way, we're doing this very well. Here are the financials. So it's not that the financials are not important, but if that's all you spend your time on, you are not going to spark innovation because nobody ever created something interesting by sitting in a room going, how can we make more money? They create something interesting by sitting in a room going, how can we help more customers? Mm. And there is so, so much more I want to talk to you about. I think we're going to have to have you back because there's, there were things in this book that were just, you know, what, and when you get this book, make sure you read her chapter on the backstory. Uh, and you'll learn about Milt, the financial advisor. You'll learn about Julie, the hospital administrator. These are people who, when they shared their actual backstory, made all the difference and happened to make them much more profitable. Uh, another gem was the two questions you ask when people are, you know, telling their story, Lisa, but not thinking they should really let their hair down. And you said, well, then why don't you just, you know, what is it that you really want them to take away? And they'll tell you and you say, well, why don't you just say that? 
And when they do, all sorts of magic happens. So uh, it, we're going to have to have you back. But in the meantime, I'm just going to tell people the book is Leading with Noble Purpose, How to Create a Tribe of True Believers. Really get this book. And to check out all Lisa's books, her weekly blog, uh, or having her in to speak or consult for your company. Uh, it's obviously very successful for those who do so. And checking out her other resources, visit noblesalespurpose.com all pertinent links in the show notes. Thank you, Lisa. Keep up your very noble work, my friend. Thanks, Bob. And I do want to tell people we now have the Noble Purpose Institute for Entrepreneurs. Ah. I'm super excited about it. It's on our website, Institute. It's a three-day intensive for entrepreneurs so they can learn the things that we did with these big companies to make their own businesses more successful. Well, we'll get that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Bob. The big lesson I learned from Lisa is that putting purpose before profit doesn't keep you and your company from making a huge profit. It's what's much more likely to ensure a huge profit. And that is key to understand. How do you do in that regard? If you're of the old profit only or profit before purpose, are you able to see why Lisa suggests changing the paradigm? And are you willing to do so? please feel free to write to me at bob at berg.com and let me know how you're doing in that regard. We might even share your email on an upcoming program. Remember, The Go-Giver makes an excellent gift to those in your life in order to help them lead better, sell more, and touch the lives of more people in positive and significant ways. Visit thegogiver.com and check out the new expanded edition of the book. And while you're there, check out John David Mann's and my newest book, The Go-Giver Leader. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review. And your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The Go-Giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Berg. Make it a great day.